California, it's MMA Roasted with Adam Hunter. Who the fuck is that guy? What's up, people? Welcome to our brand new MMA Roasted podcast. It's me and the funniest person on the planet here, Sean McCorkle. We're both zooming our backgrounds. I like that. Uh, uh, how are you, Sean? Hanging in there, man. It's... Um... I had something funny I want to tell you, but I don't know if you want to start with something else. But uh, no, no, whatever you want to start with, let's go. All right, yeah. Well, I guess we're waiting. I uh, this morning, man, when I wake up, it's weird getting older because you're my age, so you probably, if you haven't felt some of these effects, I'm sure you will. Uh, my years may have come on earlier because the years of steroid abuse I was using may have, uh, you know, pushed mine off a little bit. The HGH may have, uh, you know, delayed it. But when I wake up in the morning, um, like my my vision's blurry. I used to have 20/20 vision. I've never had glasses, never had contacts, but like for the first 10 minutes of the day. Um, like I try to look at my phone or whatever, and I feel like Brendan Schaub does all day. Like I can't read, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but yeah, I can't, like, I'll be looking and I can't, like, everything's blurry. I can't see. So I've just been like, I'm addicted to YouTube and podcasts like all day long when I'm buying $10,000 dogs or doing whatever it is I do. I've got like a podcast going of some kind. Um, so I, uh, in the morning I just hit YouTube and I open up the first suggested video. And, uh, this morning, I couldn't see even who it was or what it was, but apparently it was a rapper or two rappers talking about um, like Eminem and why you don't mess with Eminem, you know, like they were yeah. like, was talking about how like, you know, no one will go at him because, uh, you know, he'll roast or whatever. And it was like, he was like, you know, saying, man, ain't nobody going to touch Eminem, you know, because he'd be straight roasting your ass, homie, you know, this and that. And um, it's weird because the guy was from India. So I thought that was strange that he was talking <laughs> like that. But he, uh, I stole that joke from somebody. I don't know who, but um yeah, so uh, he was talking about it, and I got—I really got thinking about this morning as I was trying to wake up and get my vision cleared uh, and regretting many life decisions I had made and wishing I was young again and things like that. I was thinking, I was like, do you realize those guys are afraid to insult Eminem, not because and these are supposedly hardened street criminals, you know, or whatever. They're, they're not afraid he's going to shoot them, beat them up, nothing like that. It ain't like you're going to mess with Don Fry's hat at a UFC or something, you know, like it's there. They're worried that he is going to say bad things about them in a poetic manner. Yeah. Like that's what they're worried. And they're like, dude, I'm telling you, don't mess with him. He'll, he'll straight, he'll, he'll, he'll trash your ass and rhyme at the same time, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Like, and I just thought that was funny because I was thinking about like how rappers are kind of the modern day poets. Like I wonder if back in the day, like Robert Frost, like had people that he had a beef with and they were like, dude, telling you don't mess with robert frost he'll have you stopping by woods on a snowy evening you know like or just something like whatever like uh That's like funny. walt Whitman or people like that like he's gonna have he don't have the homies calling you oh captain you know like or whatever like i wonder if they really did like worry that i've been thinking about that all day long like as i was out cutting my grass earlier and doing some stuff with my dogs and stuff i kept i couldn't quit thinking like how the the part they're afraid of is the rhyming not necessarily what he'll say but the fact that and let's well, be honest the words, the words don't always rhyme either like they're of course. They, they don't know that's, uh, that's, really, that's a really funny bit i mean you have to shorten it yeah. but the robert frost thing's hilarious <laughs> the fucking mark twain's hilarious um and then i would say like uh but i i, I think it's more like anything else man it's, it's not getting your ass kicked it's having someone with record it 
Right. Like, like getting your ass kicked isn't even like the like the the scary part anymore. It's no. It's not getting knocked out, having to be on World Star. Right. Like having that's what, uh, having <laughs> that's what Michael Jordan said at Kobe Bryant's funeral. I was hoping he would bring up the fact that he was an accused rapist, but instead he uh he was bringing up uh the the if you ever read the police report, by the way, Kobe was guilty, but that's a whole nother story. Like if you read the police report, but I'm sure most innocent men apologize on national TV and pay the victim ten million dollars. But um anyway, so um yeah, the uh but Michael Jordan started crying at his funeral and he goes, now I'm going to put up another 10 years of memes of me being the crying face guy. He said that he's more known for that than he is for what he did, you know, in, in the NBA, you know, he said, he's, he said, people seem like, wait, you're the crying face guy. Like, that's how they recognize him. You know, like uh, the internet's a powerful thing, man. Well, like somebody said, like, if they're getting beat up, they're knocking the guy out with like the phone. They're right. Like, holding it. Like that's the guy they're going after. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't want the guy to, yeah, to capture it, but it's a, uh, it's crazy, man. And it's funny too, because when you get knocked out, I, I don't know. I, I tried to explain to somebody fighting in the UFC one time. I was like, you don't understand what it's like. If someone beat you in a one-on-one in basketball, you can still go home and think, yeah, but if he'd have said something, I'd have beat his ass, you know? Um, you can always feel like a man like that or yeah, but if, uh, you know, like uh, if it came to it, I could still whip his ass. But then like when you lose a fight, that person can beat you up. So if they break in your house and you don't have a gun, like they will do whatever they want to your family and then beat you up in the process. You know, like I used to think about that, like, if Stephen Struve broke in my house and I didn't have some sort of weapon, he would be able to kidnap my family because like he actually beat me in a fight uh, and I did my absolute best that I, I prepared for it for months and still got beat up. You know what he I mean? Also, so he also funny. beat Steve Miocic in a fight who is considered yeah. heavyweight ever. Uh, all I keep thinking though is like Tyron Woodley, man. There's a guy who like, cause I was there. I saw the whole thing. I saw him when he was in strike force. I saw him at the UFC. I saw him become the champion. And then I keep thinking of just him laying there after Jake Paul hit him, right? And it's just like man, and like I think he's such a strong human being for able to deal with that. Every time, right. he, every time he posts anything, some fucking asshole puts that little picture up, right? No matter, no matter what he put, and I'm like, man, that's my biggest fear is that my, that's probably my biggest fear of my whole life is right. getting knocked out, especially for Tyron Woodley, who was right. you know a guy who beat Darren Till, a guy who beat Robbie right. Lawler. I mean. Just they, and they love rubbing it in because that's what you're best at. And they're like, look, the thing you're best at in the world, someone straight uh, beat you up or, or did it, did you better? And per, or, you know what I mean? Like national TV, they saw it. That's what a, I wasn't a big Woodley fan until he saw he gave that money. Um, I don't know him, but um, until yeah. I saw he gave that money to Stephen Bonner when his house burned down or whatever it was, man, because he didn't have to do that. No. And I doubt Woodley is, uh, I mean, like every other UFC champ, they're not financially secure when they retired, no matter how many title fights they had. It's like they never made enough to. Uh, well, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about all that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Now, Woodley, I mean, that that was super cool. And, and I, I hit him up and I was like, Tyron, Stefan's, uh, Stefan's, you know, house burned down. Can you help out? Or I mean, can you just spread the link is what I asked him. Right. And he was like, fuck that. He's like, this dude, I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for him. You know, and it gave him four thousand uh, dollars. Literally, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, just right. it, it, like met Stefan like twice in his life. Right. Um, yeah, that's why I told you about. I, I'm sure Dana doesn't like me telling the story, but uh, Bubba McDaniel's little two year old boy was murdered by some psychopath. And I hit Dana up. I'd never asked for a favor. I don't even like asking for tickets, man. Cause I, he, I saw an interview one time. He said his least favorite part of the job is people requesting tickets. And I never asked for tickets to another UFC event after that. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to bother him. I don't want, he's always been nice to me. You know, like people hate Dana. He's always been really nice to me, man. And I mean, always in every situation, like went out of his way to come talk to me, you know, before the fights and stuff. And, um, but when I told him, I asked him if he could put the uh, GoFundMe on, uh, on his 
Instagram. I said, I don't, please, I'm not asking for money. I'm not anything. He just do that. He said, well, how much are you trying to raise? And I think it was 25 or 35,000. I want to say 35, but I'm not sure. He goes, I'll just have my secretary write you a check and I'll still share it anyway. He said, but uh, who do you want it made out to? And I was like, well, not me. Cause I don't want, you know what I mean? Look like I had anything to do with this, you know, cause people kept thanking me, like people around Bubba thanking me. I said, dude, don't thank me. I, I did nothing other than start to go find me and ask Daniel to share. I didn't dream. I thought he might give a little money to it, but I didn't dream. He's going to write me a check for the full amount and say, the only thing I ask is that you don't talk about it on Adam's podcast. No, he didn't say that, but uh, Dana was like, I don't really want, and not because he doesn't want to be bothered, but he doesn't want credit, you know, for doing stuff. He does stuff like that on a weekly basis, man. He helps people out like that, but you'll never know about, you know, I gotta um, say, Ali Abdulaziz did the same thing for, uh, who was James Vick, his sister needed surgery and yeah. uh, he, he just covered it. And then, yeah. and then when I thanked him, he told me to take it down. Right. Uh, I, th I thanked him publicly. You know, it was pretty damn cool. Uh, Brendan Schaub offered to pay for somebody's kid's surgery and then didn't do it, backed out and actually never gave him the money. And they asked the guy about it. So Brendan said he was going to cover it. He goes, uh, yeah, I mean, he just helped out by, you know, putting the word out there. And, you know, like uh, that was enough help for me. And I was like, dang, so that dude gave you nothing. Um, but he actually said on on Joe, on Rogan's podcast, he would just cover the whole thing, you know, whatever. And then never gave him a dime. So that's, that's a perfect job. I mean, come, I mean, come on, man. That just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he he outdoes himself on a weekly basis. It's awesome. I mean, that sucks on so many levels. It's like, what, what are we doing here? Like, what, what are we doing? Um, all right. So oh, I meant to tell you real quick, not to interrupt you. I meant to tell you, I went out to eat with my son the other day. He's down at uh, Indiana University living uh, on campus and stuff. And uh, I was always really leery about, you know, when I started doing interviews in the UFC, I never knew that like it would forever be on there. When I said I smothered my grandma with a pillow, I thought that was for Spanish TV. I didn't know it was going to be on YouTube, attached to my Facebook page, linked to my Twitter. I like it that everyone I know would see it within 24 hours. Like, a, and, or when I admitted to taking steroids before I fought Pujanowski, I didn't know they were going to put it in everyone. And it would always be there, you know, like, and yeah. I would crash my ex-wife and my kids like see it today still. Like it's still like 12 years later, the interview's still on there on YouTube. I, I didn't know back. That's back when YouTube was new, you know? Right. So all that to say, I told my son, I said, uh, yeah, I do that. I was talking about doing that podcast with Adam. And he said something that he knew way too much about something that happened on the podcast. I said, well, you don't like watch the podcast, do you? He goes, uh, how mad would you be if I told you I've seen almost every episode since you started on there? I was like, dude, I said, I told you to never watch any podcast I do because there's there's stuff I don't, you know, people always ask me why I don't write a book. I'm like, because I have a mom and I have a uh, soon to be wife and I have a daughter and I don't want them reading the stuff. Yeah, that, right. like, you Your mom follows me on Twitter. She's fucking crazier than you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom is awesome, man. She really I, is. The, the I, I thought it was a joke. Friend. I thought it was like a, it was like a fake account because it looks yeah. just like you with like longer hair and right. like, like a pretty version. <laughs> I mean, obviously like an Indian and a lot, a lot thinner. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude, your mom is like, beyond trump like she's just fucking yeah. cursing people out left and right dude like 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 when i'm like where did where did sean where did sean get his shit from i'm like just look at his mom like holy shit yeah it uh it's a it's a actually a good thing my dad's not alive today but if i'm like yours but um if my dad were alive today man he wouldn't have probably made it through the covid thing or the trump thing or the stuff like he got to a point where he couldn't take the stress anymore that's what i'm trying not to do man um i've never had anxiety my entire life and my dad spent the last 15 years of his life constantly worried about his grandkids, constantly worried, hey, are the kids healthy? Like, don't go outside. There was a coyote that attacked somebody, you know, on the south side of Indianapolis or whatever, like just constantly worried. And I find myself as I do that, like waking up every morning, waiting to be able to read and thinking, man, I hope I don't have a text from my kids where something bad happened to him. You know what I mean? I like, it, it started as I got older and uh, I don't know, I don't want to live my life like that, man, but it's, uh, yeah, my dad wouldn't have made it, man. The the so he was a germ freak, like germaphobe too, man, about like he'd bleach, he would sit in a tub in a horse trough he, my dad had a lot of money, not a lot of money, but I mean, they were well off. 
He made his own horse trough hot tub because he was too cheap to buy a hot tub. Took a big horse trough, put a dishwasher heat element in it, wired it himself, a little bubble machine maker, poured a gallon of bleach in it and sat in water because he thought it would heal a cyst that was on his leg or whatever. Ah. He would sit in it and he, I, would, I would come in the house and be like, Dad, you smell like bleach. What is going on? And uh, like he would actually just sit in a tub full of half of bleach, half water, just sit there. And like he thought it, he thought bleach would kill anything. Like it was like he was like just absolutely. Well, what ended up happening to him? Um, I don't know, but I'm sure it didn't help. He ended up having to have it cut out like the thing, but he, uh, he would pour bleach in their well, you know, like in, in Indiana, sometimes houses still have well water, like even in the city. So you got a well, he would pour, he read somewhere that pouring a half a cup of bleach once a year into your well would clean the bacteria out or whatever. So he began pouring a gallon of bleach every day into his well. And when you do it, you're supposed to run it all out. Like you're supposed to run the well and have it go through all the pipes and clean everything out. But he was, he, he was so obsessed with being clean that he would do it. And I'd like take a shower at their house. I would stop by and it was like closer to where I was going than going back home. I was like, you guys take care if I take a shower, you know, cause it was my childhood home. They'd be like, no, I'd go up there. All of a sudden my eyes would start burning. My skin would start burning. I'm like, why is it smell like a swimming pool in here, you know, yeah. or whatever. He thought, he thought because it, it said chlorine bleach, that it was the same thing they put in pools. And I was like, dad, that's not, he goes, no, no, it's just chlorine. Just like in pools. I was like, no, it's not that it's chlorine is one of the ingredients in that bleach, but it's still bleach, you know, but he, uh, he put bleach on dogs. He thought it would kill fleas. Like he was bleach obsessed, man. Like, as, Oh my God. I, yeah. Would do it like pour it to his hand and rub it on a dog. If it had fleas, we're like, Oh, this kills it. I was like, kill the dog too. If you want, if you want to kill the host, I guess you can kill the, uh, the parasite, but he, uh, he became obsessed with bleach and being clean. So I, I found myself obsessed with being clean too. Like I take four or five showers a day now, which you can do when you have way too much time on your hands, when you're not arguing with someone on the internet. But well, one of my siblings, I'm not going to say which one was on some heavy drugs and the cat was sick and she thought the cat wouldn't stop meowing. She started giving a Tylenol PM with like, uh, help go to sleep. Yeah. The cat, the cat never woke up. I was gonna say yeah, it went to sleep all right. Yeah, yeah that was dude. My, my dad, um, my dad told me because I had I, I had hemorrhoids a couple bunch of times. And I'm like, Dad, I have hemorrhoids. He's like, oh, what you want to do is you want to put your ass under the faucet, uh, in, in like bathtub and, and put it on like scolding hot. I'm like, right. <laughs> like he's <laughs> he's pretty. Old. Feels amazing. He's my dad had, he, Yeah, go on. My dad had me pour rubbing alcohol in my ear when I had a popped eardrum. Um, I had a popped ear drum and he told me that that all that fluid and blood was in there that uh, that that swimmer's ear, like that little mess of swimmer's ear was just rubbing alcohol. That's all it was. So he said, if you put it in there, it'll clear it out like how the swimmers do when they want their ears cleaned out. Like it turns out it's like 70 percent rubbing alcohol, but uh, just a little droplet. So I had a pop, like Tim Sylvia popped my ear drum when we were sparring, like just the air compression of a uh, boxing glove hit my ear and I didn't have headgear on and popped it. So I have blood pouring out. I can't hear for days but yeah i went home he said oh yeah I just pour i poured rubbing alcohol in my ear dude i have never to this day felt pain like that in my life uh, like it felt like my brain was why would burning. you listen to your dad about this i dude i don't know the same my dad it's funny my dad was the smart like the smartest craziest person you've ever known but he also like my my older brother always made a joke he said that my dad had one piece of genius advice every day that would change your life and make you a super successful man. The problem was he gave 30 to 40 pieces of advice every day. <laughs> and you put, you had to know which one was the good one because he would tell you, he told me one time, like, for example, he told me, don't get married till you're 30. If you wait till you're 30, you can marry a girl 10 years younger than you. If you wait till you're 30, um, you can be a teenager till then. You don't need all the responsibility of a kid. Of course, I don't listen. I get married at 19. That all ended up great, you know, or whatever like stress on my mind at 22 with a kid trying to, you know, build a business and stuff. So um, he told me that was great advice. I should have taken it. He told me, I mean, all kinds of stuff. But then he also told me one time he looked around and goes, listen, I need to talk to you about something. We're at a cheesecake factory. I was like, yeah. He goes, have you ever noticed that everything is shaped like a penis? 
And I was like, ah. what do you mean, dad? And he's like looking around like, like no one's listening. He goes, listen, it's a conspiracy. And I was like, what, what, do, what? And he goes like, look, like, like a paper towel roll. Like he points it out. Like it's shaped like a, that he goes like that. He starts pointing out stuff. I said, you mean cylinders, dad? Like you're just, you're pointing out like cylinders, like that, like that wine bottle. And he was like saying like, it's, you know, like the, the bottom part of it's like balls and the part. And he, he was dead serious. Like telling me this, everything was shaped like a penis. He goes, and I was like, well, what, to what end dad? Like what conspiracy do you think that they're, you know, doing or whatever? He goes, they're trying to turn everybody gay. Um, like that's what they were trying to do for population control. And I was like, so here I am. I'm not, I get married at 19 because I didn't listen to that advice. And instead I'm looking out for the penis conspiracy, seeing dicks everywhere I go. You know what I mean? Like that looking around like, super like bad. that wasn't super bad. Remember the kid kept drawing dicks. Oh, I don't remember. I, I saw it but a long time ago. Yeah. The scene where the kid, I think it was Jonas, Jonas Hill kept drawing dicks. Like everything he did, it was a dick. Oh yeah. It was it was like a, a, yeah. But yeah, uh, my dad, he had me, I mean, I wasn't worried about it by that point, but he would, uh, yeah. So he tells me poor Redman Hawk on my ear. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll clear right out, which it did. I could hear again, but it was, it burned yeah. like hell, man. But he would always, yeah, he always had a uh, corn bleach on stuff. Just always something. But yeah, if I could have, like I said, he had, he gave me some, also some great advice, you know, but uh, you never knew which one it was. So that was the I, problem. Yeah, but we had similar situations. My dad, like when he was mad, after he managed Alice Cooper, you know, he, he made all this money. Like, you know, they gave him this band that couldn't fill a fucking elevator to like, so all of a sudden the, these managers from England were giving him all this money. Like, and they gave him, I think it was a, uh, a band called like, I don't know, like Blue Cherry or something. And he was picking up the guy from the record label. And he's like, so, uh, and he was driving by the whiskey at like noon or something. So he knew the guy at the whiskey. So he, he, he paid the guy to put like Blue Cherry and then uh, opening act like Jimi Hendrix on the marquee. So right. then, and then he drove by that like at noon. To on the way to the airport to take the guy back to England, and the guy's like, "Oh, how's how's the the band Blue Cherry?" He goes, "Look," uh, and then it said like Jimi Hendrix opening. Room. The guy's like, "They're at the whiskey tonight." Holy shit! The guy like signed a check on the spot. You know, <laughs> back then there was no internet, or you know, like right, you, right, not to know. Yeah. But how did your dad? I always wondered how did your dad become a manager? Did he just know the guys from Alice Cooper, or what did he? No, he moved to he moved to California. He was selling drugs, he was selling weed, and oh. all kinds of drugs. We've and all been there. Him, him and his buddy named this guy Shep Gordon, and they um his college roommate, and he was trying to pick up this girl Cindy at like a, a clothing store, and she's like, "Oh, what do you do?" And uh, and then she's like, "Oh, I'm here with my uh my my like my my brother's a a, a musician or something," and he's like, "Oh, really?" He's like, "I'm a, a manager," so he lied trying to pick the girl right. up, right? And said he was like, "Oh, well, maybe he could manage my band." So then he said he became a manager like that, trying to pick up a girl, and then he managed right. the band. <laughs> And so you had no experience, no, no, no anything, no, no experience at all. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and then, yeah, he, and then, and then, like Alice Cooper was so bad, they would like they couldn't get out anywhere. They were walking free concerts, and then one day they were playing like a farm, and there were all these chickens on the farm, and they started throwing the chickens out in the crowd. And uh, my dad got a phone call from Frank Zappa. He got him on Frank Zappa's label, and Zappa was like, "Hey, I got all these calls from like." All these animal rights activist people, what you guys are killing chickens. And my dad's like, sorry, sorry. He's like, no, that's the only press you guys have gotten. You better keep that shit up. And, and then <laughs> holy shit. Then they went like crazy with it. It was just one thing after oh, all from cruelty to animals. That's amazing. That's a dude. One time they were staying at like the, the Waldorf Astoria, and like they had a huge snake, a huge boa, and they used to keep it in their bathtub on tour. And <laughs> right. one time it got it got it got loose. 
uh, and they just they just left because they were like not going to report to the hey by the way there's a, a snake on the loose in your hotel and right. they said like three weeks later they're watching TV and Charlie Pride who was like this like black country singer was taking a shit and the snake came up like oh my gosh yeah 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 it was crazy dude that's insanity it's uh I actually found a, a bow outside my house down here I live in the country but it was somebody released it or python it's not like a native snake to here I yeah. shot its head off actually shot it uh, with my Glock and actually hit it first time and shot its head completely off and it was still trying to bite even with its head off like completely off still trying to bite but it was like an eight foot long snake man I've got a video of it but uh yeah I asked a guy that grew up down here he goes dude that's not a snake from down here I don't know what that is but somebody just let their pet go but it was my dogs were going crazy and I went over I was like holy shit that's a big ass snake you know uh, or whatever when I saw it and uh, yeah people do that shit it's crazy man like I know uh down in Florida you know with those hurricanes and stuff man then the alligators end up all kind of places man that's a oh yeah dude there was, I remember watching this one show where like on animal channel and uh the guy had it. The guy's like, "Hey, there's the alligator in my bathtub." And the right. guy looked like a, like a six four walk up. So they came. They're like, "How to get it?" He's like, "I don't know." Like, like, <laughs> like, like what a fucking asshole! Like, people are something else. Like, it's, people really are too good to be true. It's awesome. Um, and then there was one. But my dad, you know, he was selling baseball cards. Like later on in life, we, we, we would do baseball card shows together, and, right. he, and he would run the shows. This and that. I remember he like had this grab bag right and like brian taylor was the big card it was 100 it was a guy for the yankees he could pitch right. like 10 ended up throwing out his ended up getting into a bar fight breaking his hand and that was then this guy was like the oh, next yeah. fucking they were calling him the next yeah. brian. <laughs> that's a good idea when you can only do one thing in the world like throw a ball fast to use that arm to do dangerous things with that seems like a good idea that's your only ability like i actually hit him up because he was in jail afterwards i wrote him on, on like facebook or instagram i found him and i <laughs> I, I, I said hey man I, i'm a big fan i hope you're doing well I, he never got back to me but, sounds like uh, you're doing great <laughs> but for everything you for you said but uh yeah, that so, is. Uh, yeah, I always loved your dad when I met him, man. He's he's a bright dude, man. Like, that's what I can always tell. You know, geniuses recognize each other. But no, your dad, uh, he got my jokes right away, which scared me a little bit for a guy that old to understand my sense of humor. Like he actually because, you know, I always explain my jokes after. And he's yeah. like, no, I get it. Like, uh, like he got it. Like, right. Oh, away. Totally. He's so right on like, it. Dude, yeah. one time. So one time so we used to sell baseball cards and he used to have this grab bag and there was like one hundred and twenty dollars Brian Taylor. But he, he would never put it in the grab bag. Like, right. I would, and I was like 11, right? So he would like go through boxes and boxes and boxes. And then like one time someone like bought all the, all the, and then he would ring a bell. When was, and he would give out good cards, like $50 cards, $70 right. cards. But he would never give the card out. He would go. So right. eventually like people showed up and they were like, uh, they, they were like, some guy bought all the cards. He's like, I'm buying the whole grab bag. And then he'd put it in his like sleeve. And then, you know, put it in there so he didn't get caught, you know, right. not having it. <laughs> and so one time, one time someone did get it when I, when I was working it. And I, so I gave the guy like a, a Ricky Henderson or something. Right. And right. I was like, yeah, look, I saved this money. And he felt so guilty because he taught me how to steal. I like, ripped right. Him yeah. Like yeah. 10. So he never did it again after that, you know, dude. Uh, I had, I had my son. I was, this is, I don't think I've ever told him about this. Good thing he'll listen to this later and tell it, but I made the mistake of letting him bet on the Super Bowl one time when he was seven or eight years old. And I started explaining to him how betting odds work just because I mean, I just sit when they're talking, I'm like, Oh no, you have to bet more. And he's like, Oh, because they're less likely to win. Right. And so they, that's how they make money. I explained the whole thing to him. And then, um, long story short, I find a little notebook at my house. He's running a sports book at his Christian private school. Like he realized like he had 
he was like taking bets uh, from people and acting like he was putting on a DraftKings, but he realized the house always wins. Like he realized the house always wins. Yeah. So he didn't have to, he didn't have, he said, I just figured he just cover it out of his money if he lost. But he said, like, all his friends are making bets and they're like, you got somebody to make bets for you on DraftKings? He's like, yeah, whatever you want. But he just took the bets himself, you know, oh or whatever. And so he had people betting 20 and 30 to one odds, you know, like 20 bucks on a 20 to one. And he goes, they're never going to win at 20 to one. It's never going to happen. And, uh, but yeah, he was, I was like, dude, you can't, you go to like a private Christian school, you're running a sports book. And I was sitting there thinking like, I was like the, like the dad from the eighties commercial, like who finds drugs in the kid's room. Like who taught you how to do this? He's like, I learned it by watching you, you know, but here I was explaining to him how sports books work, why they all trying to explain to him the dangers of gambling. Like they always win mathematically. You cannot beat them. It doesn't matter how, and if you do beat them, they'll stop taking bets from you. Like, you know, like it, um, I found, man, one time I told him this story when he was a kid too, and this probably wasn't any good, but when, when online gambling first started, they would give you a 10% bonus for whatever you deposited in your account. And then you had, if you buy, if you deposit a thousand dollars, they would put 1100 in your account. Once you've made $1,100 in bets, then you can take out any of their free money. Otherwise you're limited only to your money uh, right. that you've deposited, right? So simple scam. They're just trying to get you hooked on betting. So I put a 10,000 in on a card. Now I have 11,000. I immediately withdrew my 10,000 the next day. I have $1,000 of their money to bet with. So I use that $1,000 making 10 different $100 bets that are just like sure things. You know what I mean? That pay the hundred bucks pays $17 or pays $14 right. or whatever. And I would bet, bet, bet till I got up to $11,000 in bets. Then I would withdraw a bunch of their money, right? Then I found out they're giving you a 15% bonus if you refer someone. So I refer my brother, my brother refers my ex-wife, my ex-wife refers his wife and I'm going around. So come to find out we have like 20 or $30,000 in free betting money we're doing. And we're just smoking a man. Cause even when you lose, it's their money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're just, we're just going to account after account using a new credit card, you know, under a new name, he's one of my friends, you know, I, I put the money up doing this and that eventually they seized all the money. Um, like they took all the money in the account. They tried to seize my like $25,000 I put on a card and said that I was illegally beating their system. I was like, there's nothing oh, illegal about on. it. Like, well, you're just mad that I beat you. Like the guy's emailing me. I said, his name was Jim Price. I'll never forget was something gaming or whatever. They were out of Costa Rica. I said, you're just mad that I beat you. That's what you're mad. At. He started making threats. He goes, next time I'm not going to be so nice. I was like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? You're in Costa Rica. And he said, I am, but my people aren't, you know, or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking probably to a mafia guy. Like that isn't yeah. named Jim Price you know, or whatever, but, um, I had beaten them out of it. So I had to go to my bank and said, I didn't know what happened, but they, someone had charged $25,000 on a, on, this is like back in 2002 before or whatever, before they like internet was brand new. Yeah. And so they, gave, they retracted the funds and gave me my money back. And I started getting more threatening emails from the guys saying that I owed them that money. And that was, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we had it for a while. I mean, I probably total only probably made 10 to 15,000 on it before they caught us. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. you had to make so many bets. But I realized like it was a no fail system. Like it was, I was betting only with their money all the time and betting sure things and not, and it's splitting it up. So it wasn't always like it, well, I didn't fall into the game. They thought they're going to get you addicted and you're going to start betting your money, which didn't, I mean, I already have a thousand of your money to bet with. I only got to make $11,000 in bets every two nights. I'm betting a thousand dollars. I'm betting three or four games at 300 apiece, you know, or whatever, always betting your money. And I lose every now and then, but when we get to 11,000, then I pull out a bunch of their money, you know, so um, but yeah, I did that for a while. That was awesome. And I told my son about that. And so I think he tried to do it with DraftKings too, because I kept seeing on his bank account, I kept seeing weird deposits from like weird uh, stuff, Venmo and this and that. And I was like, dude, if you are gambling, he's like, oh, dad, it was just one time. I was like, no, no more gambling. Like we're done, you know, or whatever. Like it, uh, but it's, it's my own fault. All that's to say it was my own fault for teaching him the game, you know? So well, when I was in high school, you know, I guess I did this boarding school where like they basically brainwashed you, you know, they put me in with a bunch of like ex 
drug addicts, people that ruin their life with drugs, ex, you know, people that beat their wife, beat their kids, just, just, just people with a lot of issues. So yeah. I, I was scared straight from all of it, you know? And then, <laughs> and then my, I, and plus the wrestlings and my, I, I never wanted to touch a drug when I was in high school. And my dad was like, you know what? It doesn't bother me that you don't like drugs. It bothers me you don't like them, but you never tried them. <laughs> like, that's awesome. <laughs> he just wanted you to learn the hard way on your own. Dude, <laughs> learn the easy way. Dude, we used to be like on like Cancun, and I'd be sober for the wrestling, and he'd be rubbing alcohol in my face. Like, come on, you, you fucking pussy! Like, like, like he was. <laughs> well, maybe he knew. He maybe he was a genius. He knew you were rebellious, so you're gonna do the opposite of whatever he uh whatever he tells you to do. So you're like uh, <laughs> not drinking was your way of rebelling. I told you he, he got kicked out of my little brother's little league because he figured out that if the team lost on purpose, uh, they would play an easier team. So right. He, yeah. So he threw the game, played all the game. players. And then they thought he was gambling on the games. Dude, my, right. dad, my, dad, my dad was, my dad was so funny. The stories he tells me sometimes, I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, especially with the Alice Cooper days, you know, yeah, I can um, imagine. Yeah. That was, uh, I mean, that was got, one of my favorite, favorite movie moments of all time. And in uh, Wayne's world where Alice Cooper, they're supposed to be wild and crazy. And they're like, you know, uh, Milwaukee was originally named. They're like real smart, like talking about uh, that was Alice Cooper, right? In Wayne's world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, he was thrown in jail, my dad, for selling acid and drugs with uh, he said he was in the same jail as Sirhan Sirhan. And then, <laughs> Wait, who did Sirhan Sirhan kill? Who did he kill? Somebody famous. Martin Luther King, is it? Uh, JFK. I think it was uh, not JFK. The other it was uh, was it Bobby Kennedy or uh, brother? Um, yeah. And uh, I know Brendan Schaub thought JFK was also JFK Jr. That they were the same person. <laughs> like he was like, yeah, it's weird. He got shot and he died in a plane wreck. And it was like, wait, what? Like, what? Like he, he got killed and then died in a plane wreck. Like that shot. But he like got out of it though by like they basically turned in like a field of marijuana. Like one time they just were driving and took a piss on the side of the road and it was like weed, and that's how right. they got out of it. They were like, oh, we, we know <laughs> they're, they're growing weed. All right, so let's talk about the fights because people are right. either people tuned out or they love this podcast. All right, so. <laughs> Islam, I knew that was going to happen. I, I knew that this dude, everyone was saying, no, man, Oliveira. I go, he makes too many mistakes. This other guy makes none. He made one mistake, one fight six years ago. Like, well, like these, the, when you get these guys, like, like even Khabib, later on in Khabib, the Khabib that fought uh, Gaethje, I think was almost beatable because he made a lot right. of mistakes. But there was a time where like four or five fights in a row where he made no mistakes. It was Khabib was fighting perfect fights, especially for that style. And I think Islam is, I don't think he's Khabib 2.0, but he makes, but you, you have to fight a perfect fight to beat this guy. And, right. I, and I also think Oliveira was like walking with tigers before the fight. He was, he his, the whole, the whole team was dying their hair. They had some kind of ritual praying around him to lose weight. It just seemed like he was maybe getting a little bit too. That doesn't work by the way, <laughs> praying to lose weight. <laughs> like... That doesn't work for me. What's up people? Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports and events. Bet. Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
What, um, what did you think of the of the Islam fight? Dude, it went about how I expected. Um, I luckily I missed most of the cards, so I didn't pay for it because the fights I was I was able to find a uploaded version somewhere online. Uh, actually, my son sent me the link, so I taught him. Apparently, he's teaching me how to do bad things. But I was like, hey, if I went to watch the fight, how would I do it tonight? And he sent me a link, you know, and I was like, or today, I didn't realize it was during the day. I completely forgot. You even told me it was during the day because we talked about it. I completely forgot, but I watched it back. Yeah, he. Uh, they're just too good of wrestlers, man. Them dudes are just, and they're, like you said, disciplined. They're not going to get in a striking battle with you. They're not going to They're not gonna take anything risky to try to submit you if it's a you know bad move. They're going to just slowly grind away at you they don't care if it's boring or not and uh the ufc better be careful they're going to have their whole their whole company is going to be guys from dagestan man if they keep bringing those guys over because they are just that's what they're doing from the day they're born you know like that's what they're uh that's what they're doing and it's uh they are they're going to take over they're all going to fight just like a you know what i mean like and the only way you're going to beat them is a wild punch you know like that's the only like, way i mean gonna... from what i hear is if they're if they show promise in high school their high school is basically wrestling high school like right. it's like it's like and like, like it says, instead of gym, that's like learning. Like the, the right. one class is learning. And instead of gym, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> recess is where they read, and then uh, <laughs> the uh, the rest is rest. And have you ever seen them play basketball? Dagestani basketball? No, dude, you got to Google that. It's amazing. They, it's it's basketball, but you're allowed to wrestle, and there's no foul. You can foul all you want. So a guy will be driving without dribbling, running, driving, and a dude will just grab, jump up, and take his back, and choke him out while he's trying to score and then someone else grabs the ball and then that guy goes down and gets taken down, you know, from behind he's on a leg lock. So he has to throw the ball away. And sometimes the, the wrestling match continues after the ball's gone, they still continue choking each other and like fighting. It's amazing. They've got a whole video with a uh, Khabib on there dominating in basketball, but it was mostly just with chokes and things like that. Like he was yeah. uh, arm barring people at the free throw line. It was amazing, but yeah, they're going to have a whole, uh, them guys too, man. Like you said that, that uh, on Oliveira, I don't know what gets. I actually do know what gets in people's head. That when you get popularity, everybody starts treating you different. And it gets weird, man. When it, the little bit of fame I had, which was minor, everyone around me, almost everybody started treating me different. It was so weird. Like, and if I hear the champ, I can only imagine. Like, especially yeah. if you're from Brazil and you go there where everybody's, you know, poor or whatever. Like, um, you know, wanting something. But uh, yeah, that stuff when they all start doing that Hollywood shit, man, dying of the, or even like, you remember Anderson Silva started every fight. He had to start getting fancy and doing like dance moves and stuff like that. Like it just goes to their head and it's uh, it's almost impossible to stay unless you're like that to begin with, like John Jones, there's no telling how good he could have been if he was ever disciplined or ever really did. He just happens to be that much better than everybody, you know? So I like mean, when, you, when you're two brothers, when you have three brothers and two are in the NFL, right. What is the arguably the best fighter of all time? That yeah. is beyond that's I mean, you talk about blessed and gifted, not taking and they worked hard. I'm not I'm not saying they didn't work hard. Obviously, they work hard. Right. But man, that, that's genetics that like some you know, some of them don't. Though I played basketball, I told you against guys that played in the NBA in the future in college. And one of them had 42 points and 20 rebounds on me drunk. So drunk, he was having trouble running up down the court and was dunking on me and dominating me. Like, and I was good, man. Like I was pretty good. Like I was the best player on our team. And I was like, this dude is killing me. And he was, he was so drunk. He had a pick in his hair in his Afro for the first three minutes of the game. They didn't realize he had a pick stuck in his hair. And so he like caught a rebound and dunked it over me and his pick fell out onto the ground, like from his hair, from his Afro. And I turned around, I was like, dude, does he have a pick in his hair? And the ref stopped and grabbed it, you know, or whatever. But uh, yeah, drunk as kid laughing. Like in the, I'm next to him at the free throw line. We're getting ready to block. I said, dude, are you drunk? He was like, uh, he's like, dude, I'm tore up, you know, or whatever. And then he said not to mess with Eminem. I, I have a friend who uh, who's a big basketball guy for ESPN now. He went to high school together. My friend Tim McMahon. He's huge in yeah. Dallas. And he and he's he was like it was funny because like we went to my my boarding school at the same time and like 
the first day he was like, I was thinking Greyhound all last night. Like we were going to run away together. Um, right. But, right. <laughs> but he was like one of the best kids in my college, in my high school uh, playing basketball, big, tall, white dude from Texas. And he said that uh, when he went to college, he was like D3. He said some guy dunked over him in practice. Uh, this like huge black dude dunked over him. And the coach yelled at him for almost hurting the black dude. But like, right. like <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he was like. I'm off. To, I'm out of here. Like this is like, like. It. Uh. I think I may have told you a story. I can't remember. But I played against a guy all summer one time, and I was like, I'd given up my NBA dreams. I was only 18 at the time, but I was like, dude, if this dude can't play in the NBA, like, yeah. there's no way I'll ever play. And it turns out he did go on to play in the NBA, like seven or eight years or whatever. And like, I let it. He was like 22 or 21. I was only 18, but he was like seven foot tall. A black dude could jump through the roof named Keon Clark. He was from the town I was playing basketball in and all summer just dominated me. And I thought, dude, there's no, I'll never make it if this dude didn't make it. And then turn out he didn't make it. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a whole nother level of college. Dude, the, the level from a major division one player to even like the division two or division three, it'd blow your mind. And then the level for an NBA player from there is even more so. Look at that little girl. My daughter's sick. She's been sick the last two days. So daddy, who missed his flight to Reno and had to drive there nine hours. Oh, nine hours wow, back. And then, got, well uh, and then I got, and then I got in LA. It was probably only 20 minutes outside LA. You just <laughs> had to do the eight hour, eight and a half hour drive through LA. Dude, nothing was worse than like, I'm like, it's usually an hour from where I live to the airport. And then I'm like, I get in the Uber and it says I'm getting there like 20 minutes before. And of course I got this like female Uber driver from Russia who's hitting every single stop sign. Not that, I mean, not stop sign, every light, worst way. Like, right. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna just take me home. I yeah. Got Dude, I remember when we, uh, when Dana did the, uh, looking for a fight show where they did stand up comedy, you remember? Like I was gonna have yeah. a chance to be backstage with David Spade and all these guys, yeah. uh, you and everything. And I, I literally was, my hotel was three quarters of a mile from the place. So I thought if I leave at half an hour early, that's enough time to go three quarters of a mile to get there. I show up. It took me 45 minutes to go three quarters of a mile in L.A., literally just up a regular street, 45 minutes, no interstate, no anything. I get there. I remember it was awesome because I was following you trying to get to the backstage thing and like security stops me. I'm like, no, no, I'm with him. And you were like yeah. busy. So I just kept walking. I was like, oh, God. So then they want, they want my ticket. And I was like, I don't have a ticket. You know, whatever I said, I was here with you. He goes, are you performing? I was like, no. And I was like, but I know those guys. He's like, yeah, yeah, everybody knows Dana, you know, whatever. So they make me, I said, dude, I'll pay for a ticket. Like, I'll just go out. So yeah. then I go out, pay for a ticket. Then there's a two drink minimum. Uh, so I'm like, how, I was like, how much do I just tell me how much I owe you? I'll give it to you now. I don't want any food. I don't want any drink and anything. Just tell me. I end up giving them 60 bucks or whatever. I sat by myself in the back room. And then you're like, texting me like, dude, where are you at? You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I just like, I just forgot. I didn't want to mess it up at that point because security already did that. But it's, uh, and then so, when it was over, I'm trying to get to you. It's over. They're throwing everybody out of the club. I don't remember what place that was, but they were not friendly, man. Um, factory, had, uh, factory, I know you probably can't talk about because you probably work for them, but they were not friendly to the customers. They're like, out, everybody out now. Like, sir, out. Like that, like, right? It's, it's the new over. management. It's a different now. Uh, so yeah. after the fight, Chemayev uh, attacked one of, what's the name's teammates? One of uh, Islam's teammates. Did you see right. what happened? I uh, heard about it, but I, did. I saw just two dudes kind of, they started talking and i don't know what was said he, he like and then the guy threw a punch um and then it was broken up and then i guess the the dictator from chechnya squashed the beef dude like, <laughs> that dude is no you know if it's a dude i think you're talking about that dude is no joke man like that yeah. dude is not anybody to mess with i bet he squashed it he yeah, probably like I, hey, unless you want your entire extended families being decapitated okay. you probably should act right you know Okay, okay, go out, go out, go out. Thank you, thank you, I love you. 
That's yeah. when Conor McGregor was talking bad about that dude from Chechnya, that dictator dude or whatever. I was like, dude, that's yeah. like a mafia guy, but worldwide. Like, be careful no, that guy, with him. Yeah, the guy throws the gay people off buildings and stuff. Right, like, yeah. Like, and they're, they're not joking. Yeah, them dudes, them Chechens are not joking around, man. So they had his, so he they had a phone call with him FaceTiming the two guys, and these guys were all of a sudden best friends. Right, absolutely. Yeah, I, they won't have another bad word to say about each other either, I bet. You know, like it, uh, uh, it, it's crazy, man. Crazy. And then, so then after that, Conor McGregor tweets out, right? Have you been following the whole Conor thing? No, I just knew when I heard, actually, I saw Dana get uncomfortable. They said, is, is Conor going to have to wait six months to, to fight because he's not on the USADA thing? And Dana was like, yeah, that's uh, he's going to have to wait six months. He looks huge. I mean, he looks like the liver king at this point. Yeah, no, that's what, yeah, he's, 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 Roy, he's, he's doing steroids probably to help heal and stuff too but that's why it's not because the inconvenience of USADA's not going to be testing him 20 times when they know he can't fight for six months you know or whatever but when he signs back up if he's going to fight they'll either because you know they, they did it with Lesnar they just told Lesnar oh you only need three weeks clearance you're fine and that's when he tested positive against Mark Hunt for steroids and Hunt went crazy saying everybody else has to be tested but he can come in on three weeks notice you know but that's in their rules that they have the right with um with USADA, they can veto it or whatever, override it, and to give anybody the like uh, less time if they want. So I guarantee if Connor wants to fight in two months, they're going to find a way to be like, you know what? We test him. He's fine. He can come in and uh, he can come in and do whatever. So. so after the fight, he tweets out, I have, the, and it's him versus Khabib when he was actually like the round that he kind of hurt Khabib uh, or that he did well against in the third round. He goes, I have a system to hurt this style of fighting, guys. I'm telling you. Bro is Works shit one jocks. out of every four times. Go ahead, sorry. He goes, bro is shit jocks. Fat mouth. Shut your mouth. You've done nothing tonight except go against father's wishes and run. It's not father's plan completed yet, pal. You know. Your people know. And they talk about you. Um, and then he deleted that. So right. I, is that to Khabib or to Islam? I, it probably, yeah. Probably or maybe meant to be like you know mysterious so they don't know who he's saying it to if i was him i wouldn't get too personal with any of them man you know like it's uh some people man i'm telling you some people are not playing you know what i mean like they're not it's not people it's always amazing i told you i think about the time that i uh if my son watches this i did, didn't actually do this but um I, I followed a guy for flipping me off to his house. I don't know what he was thinking. I was pulled over on the side of a little like residential street and he blows his horn and want me to move. And I'm like, dude, there's other cars parked on. I'm, I'm pulled over. So I like wave him to go around me. He pulls up and flips me off and stands there and says something and pulls up. So I was like, oh, really? I was arguing with my girlfriend at the time. I was like, really? So I just follow him. It's not a quarter of a mile to his house. He pulls up and I pull up and I get out and he gets out of his car and I said, flip me off now. And he's like, what? Like he like, as if he had no memory of what happened 45 seconds ago. You know, I'm mean, like, what, what are you talking about? And his wife is standing there. I open him, smack him, like smack the shit out of him, man. And all of a sudden he remembered and apologized. Like, he's like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, dude, you don't know who you're flipping off like all the time. You know what I mean? Like, be careful with that. But it's a, uh, you catch somebody on the wrong day, man. They're like, especially, I mean, you saw that guy. Did you see that video recently? The guy just started shooting. It was all over the news. This guy goes, is tailgating him. So he brake checks him. The guy goes around him and throws a bottle, like a plastic bottle in his car. And the dude pulls out a Glock and just unloads on the car. And he's not in prison. Uh, John Joe, or what is Kane Velasquez is. He's not in jail. The guy that unloaded this gun on because no one died. But uh, yeah, it's uh, anymore, man, especially nowadays. People are not joking. I know them Chechens aren't joking, man. And so. then Connor writes, nice fight, nice performance. I have built all the tools to beat this style now. Versus before, experience <laughs> yeah. versus shit, face breaking shots from the clinch and baby brain batter shots from the bottom. For the rest of my repertoire, you 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 guys know, steel left leg, cannon backhand, wrist control. Why would he tell everyone what? He right, yeah. If that's a, 
He's like, I got a secret plan to beat you guys. Here it is. He's going to give you the whole. Like, why would he tell you this? I I don't know if this works or not. I have no idea. I mean, obviously, Connor's a much better fighter than I'll ever even dream about doing or game planner. But I would I would think that the game plan wouldn't be to tell the person the game plan um, for six months for the fight. Like what? (laughs) I had a uh, I had a famous coach. I don't want to say who. I'll tell you off air or whatever. I had a famous coach one time. I asked him for the game plan. He was known at the time for being a master game planner. So I'm getting ready to fight Struve. And I want to, like I said, hey, what's the this guy's name plan for beating Struve just out of curiosity? He goes, well, take him down, stay on top and either side control or half guard and hold him down and beat him up ground and pound, you know, but just try to stay in side control. I was like, well, obviously, like that's like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Like that's like, what's yeah. the plan beating John Jones? Take him down, mount him. And just pound him out. And if he gets up, take him back down, take his back. Like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. But I was so disappointed in the game plan because I was like, well, I thought I was going to get some kind of technical insight. Hey, he's bad about dropping his left hand or with his that. But it said, you know, this guy's supposed to be a genius at the time. But he's like, um, yeah, just uh, take him down, get in side control and stay there and beat him up from side control. I'm like, oh, it's okay. So that's all I got to do is just get side control. The most honest guy you'll ever meet is Ben Asker. Because one time, one of his guys that he was training or helping with, I go, how's he going to do? And he writes back, not good. Right. Like, he's so Askren has been tweeting with with Connor, bro. You aren't even Usada at pool. You don't want to fight anyone. I retired three times and still have four times as many wins as you since 2017. As much <laughs> as you are scared to admit it, you are done. Retire already. We know you don't want to fight to stop calling people out. It's annoying. Connor just wants to skip the line and try to get a belt. Maybe you should get back in the Usada pool. I mean, Ben's not wrong in this. Yeah, and I bet a meme is going to come back of him getting either hit with a flying knee or knocked out by Jake Paul. It's like which Ben's got two famous ones, like that, or you know, one tops the other. It's uh, yeah, 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 who knows, man? But uh, yeah, Connor, I don't know, man. I guess he just likes the attention, probably. But it's hard if you've got a couple hundred million bucks, man. It's got to be hard to want to get punched anymore, even training. You know, like it's it's got to be hard to want to get hit anymore. That's what Robbie Lawler told me one time. He didn't spar anymore after his first. What, how many ever years? He goes, dude, I don't spar at all anymore. Like, you know, or whatever like that. And I was like, really? Because everybody at MMA gyms, you're a pussy if you don't spar real hard, you know? And I never wanted to, man. I was worried about long-term damage. I was worried about getting my teeth knocked out, worried about getting popped eardrums and pouring a rubbing alcohol in my ear, you know? And heavyweight's different than if you're getting hit by 125-pound guys sparring, you know what I mean? Like, and I'd yeah. spar with heavyweight pros sometimes, you know? So I didn't like it, but Robbie always said, I already know how to fight. I don't need to practice getting punched, you know, or whatever. Yeah, well, that could, you know? I feel like he's been doing this. He was like 15 years old. That's time. what he said. Well, he, and he said he just sparred hard, like spars about two to three weeks before the fight. He got to do hard sparring, which is part of it. You know, he said, but this stuff just going to get punched every day when you may not have a fight for nine months to get head trauma is craziness, man. Like it's uh yeah, getting knocked out just for just for fun. It's um, I hate to see, I know guys that let their kids fight, man. They've got these fight leagues for kids now. It's the craziest thing but i know guys that let their kids fight or their stepkids or whatever and i'm like are you really comfortable with him getting head trauma at 11 years old you know what i mean like boxing and stuff in the boxing gym sparring with people like kids 15 or 16 you know what i mean because he's a tough 11 year old like i don't you i don't know old boxing gym right like i used to go to wild card and people i bring people and they were like dude is everyone here like off like people's eyes are looking over here they're drunk right. i mean i remember this guy used to be the, i remember watching guys on tv and they looked like they were like uh I hate to say like homeless. I mean, they were just, they're just, right. and you're like, man, uh, man, man, it's hard to have somebody that, you know, a lot, I mean, look, you, you, then again, you, you can get the Lennox Lewis's of the world and even the Roy Jones right. or, you know, the Antonio Tarver's or, but Bernard Hopkins, but then you get also the guys that just, 
you're just like, man, the Bobby Chacones of the world. You're just like, Ugh. what's crazy is the guys that weren't that bright to begin with. Like, uh, you know, like you got like I can never understand James Tony before he took head trauma, like let alone like after 200 fights, you know, he can't or like Brendan Schaub, like he wasn't people. I says he has CTE. I'm like, he was an idiot before he ever fought or played football. Like that dude was a retarded before any of that. But um, no, it's uh, yeah, my, my dad was always worried about because um, believe it or not, I have a real high IQ and you know, like I'm pretty bright. So um, my dad was always terrified. He goes, you're going to end up brain dead. God gave you a brain, you know, like you could do anything you want. You've ran a multi-million dollar business before. Why would you want to fight? You say all the time, like, why would anybody want to do that? And uh, I used to tell him all the time, dad, but they're paying me $25,000, which means I don't have to do anything but work out for the next three months. You know what I mean? Or whatever. It's going to be $25,000 cash, like in Australia or Japan, you know what I mean? Or whatever. When I was fighting, it reminded me of that story you told earlier when I was fighting a Soa Pulele, this is when I'd already hurt my back. I mean, not, it wasn't as bad as it is, but it was, it was getting there. It was pretty rough. And Monty Cox, my agent calls me, said, hey, I have a fight. It's not a good matchup for you, but it's 25 grand and it's four round trip tickets to Australia two weeks there all paid for, you know, cause they're doing media before and all this different stuff. And he lays it out for me. I said, who's the opponent? He said, so politely. I said, it seems like he's real tough, but I don't know if I've seen him fight. He goes, yeah, he's pretty tough. He said, uh, I said, what is he? I was trying to look him up. He goes, well, imagine you, but just a lot better at everything. <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, so he goes like you, if you had good stand up and really good wrestling and way better jujitsu, and like uh, way stronger, you know, or whatever he said, like, and I was like, oh, and so I said to Monty, I had like seven or eight weeks. I said, if I get in really good shape, like, if, like I didn't say take HGH, but I'm thinking if I take a bunch of HGH and work out for two months, get diet real hard. I said, if I get in good shape, like it was for UFC, what do you think my chances are on winning? He goes, not good. And I <laughs> said, well, what if we push it back a little bit, tell him I can do it. But in, you know, three months, not two months, he goes, it's not going to make a difference. And uh, he goes, uh, he goes, he's going to beat you on your best day on his worst oh, day. So, man, this, uh, is, this, is, this is your promoter too. Yeah. Yeah. My agent. Yeah. He goes, I'm just being honest with you. He goes, uh, but, uh, cause he told me one time it hurt my feelings. He told me one time after I beat Mark Hunt, um, I was going to fight Struve and I was like, Oh yeah, it's a great matchup. And so after Struve, they want to put me with Christian Warcraft. And I was like, dude, I don't want to like, give me somebody, but besides him, man, I said, nobody knows who he is. He almost killed Struve when they fought. Like he was murdering yeah, he, him. He was, Struve he was a good underrated fighter. Yeah. And uh, I, I said, I don't want to fight somebody. Nobody knows who they are. And, um, he said, uh, he said something at the time or whatever. He goes, well, I mean, I'm not going to get you, put you in there with like Alistair over him and get you killed or something. You know, I said, cause they're going to come back with a worse, with a worse matchup. And I said, but you'll put me in with Mark hunt. Like, you know what I mean? Like over him, that's too much, but I, you're not going to get me killed by putting me with Mark hunt. I, my first UFC fight, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Oh, and you have to cut 70 pounds in seven weeks to make it, you know, like it, uh, I said, you had no problem doing that to me. And he's like, well, you were taking a lot more serious back then. And I always was like, dude, it's not taking it serious. I'm injured. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not a thing but he, I, uh, I, I remember like you'd go and you were in the best shape of your life you telling me and then you go out and get killed like what happened he goes i'm really good at lying <laughs> right yeah no dude i uh i so, they would ask me they'd hit me up and be like hey are you in fight shape right now i'd be like yeah, a couple weeks i could be you know what i mean or whatever i'm yeah. thinking no way am i in fight? i'm worried i'm cutting weight for a fight that has no weight limit just so i look better with my shirt off up for the huh. way when i fought pujanowski i seriously i wasn't in bad shape the first time i fought pujanowski or the second time actually second time i went in bad shape but standing next to him everybody looks fat and out of shape you know what i mean or whatever no. like i asked him i told his guys translator i said can you ask him not to take his shirt off like at the uh way in he's like why i said because i don't want to stand next to him if he keeps his on i won't look dumb keeping mine on and i was in decent shape you know what i mean like one yeah. like that but this standing next to him you look terrible you know what i mean or whatever like uh but yeah, he pulls it off. And of course, every muscle is rippled all over. And you stand there and I'm like, everybody, everybody looks out of shape compared to this monster, man. Like, so uh, there, Islam wants to fight Volkanovsky. I never understood this 
calling out somebody lighter than you, even if they're the champion. It's I mean, not a good look. I'll tell you that. I and I, I can't get excited for it. You're so, a fight that you're supposed to win is hard for me to be like, oh, take my money. He's supposed to win that fight. Dude, if Volkanovski beats him, it will just prove that the devil buys souls at a hefty price because there is no way Volkanovski should even be able to hang with him. Like, it shouldn't even be close if they fight. You know what I mean? Or whatever. He should. He's way too big, way too strong, way too good of a wrestler. Will dominate Volkanovski at what he's best at. There's no... I, but if he beats him, Volkanovski sold his soul to the devil. I actually wondered that about Con when Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo in seven seconds. Yeah. I really said to somebody, I was like, dude, he might have made a deal with Satan, like, or whatever. Like, yeah, I'll tell you what I said. I don't, I've never seen anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, if, if he'd have beat Mayweather, I would have believed it. Like, if he'd have beat Mayweather, I'd have believed that he sold his soul to the devil. Cause it's like, uh, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. I thought Volkanovski came in and called him out. So it was instead, it was the other way I around. Mean, I'm sure it was like, um, uh, you know, I'm sure. It was yeah, like, they probably you know, knew. They had him there, you know. Um, and then, so, so that, so th there's that. And, and now, now they're saying, Dana said that Colby and Chemayev is the next fight, which I, for Colby, at least, I think that's a good fight for Colby. Call me crazy. But I think if Colby could just not get, if, if Chemayev gets a takedown, uh, it's going to be a problem, right? But right. Colby's wrestling is really good. His stamina is really good. He doesn't have the greatest punching power, but I don't know. I feel like that's a that's a winnable fight for Colby. And if he wins, forget about it because oh it god, can you imagine? Yeah. Um, well, it's win win really for Colby if you think about it. If he beats him because they they've turned him into a god now, Chimaev is unbeatable, you know, or whatever. And Colby does have what it. He's got good enough defensive wrestling. He can probably get back up even if he gets taken down. And he'll outlast him cardio wise. There, there's not very many people in the world that will outlast cardio or outlast Colby cardio wise. Chemayev has shown he gets tired a little bit uh, when the fight goes more than five seconds. So, um, yeah, I would say that Chemayev will be the favorite, but I actually would uh, – I would hope Kobe would win. That would be awesome, man. That would be – if they – I don't know. It seems like a fight It's too good to be true. Like, I, I almost feel like they won't do it. Like, something will ruin it like everything else. But uh, it, ideally, Colby would come in, and if uh, Chemayev missed weight again or he could take the fight and then have a built-in excuse going into it, and then it wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm fighting a guy 20 pounds heavier than me, you know, or whatever. Right. But yeah, I don't even dude, know that matters. Be, That'd be an amazing fight. That'd be so awesome. There's a picture of Colby. He went to Candace Owens. Candace Owens has a documentary about how Black Lives Matter was a big fraud, the whole thing. Right. And um, that's her perspective, right? right. Uh, but on uh, so at the screening, it was Colby, Kanye, Candace, and Ray J. <laughs> right. <all> Naturally. <laughs> Wait, is Ray J the one that was banging Kim Kardashian in that video? Yeah. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, think, I went to one of Ray J's concerts like by accident. I I went to go see. Uh, <laughs> I think that's. I think that's everybody that was ever at a Ray J concert was was by accident. I heard Jimi Hendrix was playing. Like they were confused on what was exactly going on that I, night. I went to go see uh, Ashanti and Ja Rule, which is better, right. but at least like it was those. And Ray J was the opening act, right? Right. Dude, so Ray J the whole time he's he's very big. He's out of shape. He's selling a scooter. He has a scooter deal, right? About like, like where he's trying to sell those, like, you know, like those, not like a, those like mini scooters, the ones that you like stand on and like, you know, like those. Oh, I think it's like a grocery store scooter. I was like, wait, he got so fat that he's selling handicapped scooters. That would no, be like a bird awesome. scooter, like a bird scooter, you know? Right. I got so, you, yeah. So he's selling a, a, so he has like six rap songs about the scooter. Uh, <laughs> he really, he really sold out to that company. He must be an owner. He's got to have like his own money invested. It was. It was like it was like he has a his owner of of this company. Not one person bought a scooter. 
Everyone was mad oh, because man. no one knew the song about the scooter. And he and he's and he's and he's scooting around during the fucking song. It's like he's rapping on the scooter. Uh, that's surprising to me because I know I read somewhere that most hit songs are inspired by scooters. Like that's usually <laughs> the uh I don't know where I read that, but yeah, that most most though, like Imagine by John Lennon originally was him about imagining him having a scooter. I think so. That's surprising. <laughs> you can't like satisfaction was about a scooter. It was, right, yeah, not having <laughs> it was I was so annoyed because I had to hear all these like jingles about the scooter and he had like backup dances on the scooters and they're all scooting around the stage. Backup I, scooters on the scooter. <laughs> they were scooting around backup, backing him up. That's amazing. I went to um, Bobby Brown and Keith Sweat and uh, that's a long, crazy story where my ex-sister-in-law thought that she was going to switch brothers and like hook up with me or whatever. My brother couldn't take her to, and they had tickets. He was sick and was like, would you take her? And I was like, dude, she's always had a crush on me. I don't really, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. I get there and she starts thinking we're together, like trying to sit like right next to me and stuff. And I'm like, you're my brother's wife. Like, stop Like You're being weird. And then I ended up leaving her there. It was awesome. I just left her and told her to get an Uber, like left her at a concert with, uh, she was probably one of three white people there. Once I left, I just, I literally locked her out of my car and pulled away and just told her, text my brother, have you either come get her, get sent to Uber. Crazy, but um, yeah, get her. There's a scooter for rent somewhere. But she, um, it's funny you're talking about them scooters. I think I'm still paying a monthly membership on a scooter for like Memphis, Tennessee, where me and my fiance were in there in town, and they make you pay for a credit card for these little scooters. We were going, or no, it was um, Dallas, Texas. We go to see uh, the JFK, you know, murder site or whatever, where his plane crashed. But no, we go, uh, we go to see, you know, Kashab. Thought that was him, but uh, so. Uh, we go to see that, and I look at something the other day on my thing. I'm still being charged some kind of monthly membership fee, like nine ninety nine, uh, like ten dollars a month for some scooter thing. I'm thinking, wait, is that like I look it up and I was like, is this either Ray J's new album streaming, or I'm still being charged for that Dallas scooter from last year every month? Like it, yeah. If I put my credit card in, I guess it's a scam. They somehow sign you up to a membership, uh, you know, what I mean? and you have to get online and cancel. And if you can't, if you don't know what scooter you rented. Oh, we can't figure it out. You know, like it's always some kind of. Like you have yeah. to research Ray J's lyrics, like it's a mystery <laughs> to find what scooter you had, you know, or whatever. Like it's a, they're like play Ray J's song backward. It'll tell you how to cancel your membership. Like you know. All right, and finally, we got to talk about the O'Malley fight because, uh, like, okay, first of all, I had a parlay. I was so mad. I finally made a parlay where I would have won. I had I had Islam, I had Aljamain versus uh, TJ. And then I had O'Malley. We'll, we'll talk about the, uh, that fight also. And the O'Malley was like, it wasn't the worst robbery I've ever seen, which I think was Kevin Randleman and Boz Rutten. Yeah. You have to go back soon. Okay. I think that was the worst robbery I've ever seen. But I, I don't think he won this fight. I mean, you can't, you, can't have take, you can't have like six minutes of ground control to two seconds. Right. Six takedowns to zero. I mean, like, uh... And and it wasn't like they were like, well, he landed the more significant. Not, I mean, maybe, yeah, but well, it looks so funny. According to who? Like, you don't know how hurt he was. He didn't like he wobbled him. I'm like, he didn't wobble him. He, he was backing up, dude. People that think he won is awesome. Somebody put on Facebook real big. He all capitalers did it and had a picture of Sean O'Malley. Yeah. And I put underneath the judges did it because that was the only like, dude, that is. What rounds did he win? I know he didn't win round two in your mind, like yeah. I, for sure. He for damn sure didn't win round one, like you know what I mean, whatever. Uh, round three, if you want to call it 10 10, or you want to call round one 10 10, then you got to call round two 10 8. 
yeah, you know what I mean? Right. If you're staying that or whatever. But uh, he, everybody's saying he he may have won round three. He didn't win round three either. He got taken down at the end of round three. Like he, anyone that was watching that fight, a street fight between those two, would be like Sean O'Malley got his ass kicked by that yeah. dude. It's not anyone. The if you take it, you can take it minute by minute, round by round, or a whole fight. It doesn't matter how you compute it. He lost the fight and lost it significantly, you know, or whatever. Like it was the the only fight I can't remember. I had it the other day. There was a triple G boxing match that was rigged worse than that, uh, where he won like the judges had, or the the experts had him winning eleven rounds to one, and the they still they, they scored it ten to two for the other guy. And of course, there was all kind of was you know what I mean. Like, uh, was it the uh, uh, It may have been yeah, it may have been him. Um, and I may be getting that mixed up. There was a fight I may got mixed up. There was a Manny Pacquiao where I'd bet Pacquiao, a bunch of Bradley, around. Tim Bradley. And that, like, that fight yeah. was like, yeah, he like it was like not even close. I, lo- I remember I lost a fortune on like a couple grand or whatever as on part of a parlay, you know, or whatever. Like it, it was, you know, I'd have made a fortune, but it, it, there were some booking sites that didn't even uh, give the money back. They were like, you know what? He didn't win. They were right. the sites refused to do it. Right, dude. That's what it's. I always wished it. Uh, it should be like that. Or when someone gets caught with uh, like taking steroids or whatever, I'm like, okay, so since I got changed to a no contest, can I get my. 100%. I get my parlay money back, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that fight no longer counts as a win, you know what I mean? So um, that, uh, yeah, that was, dude, that uh, people, anyone who thinks it's just like the people who think that are the same people that are blaming Trump still for what Biden's doing now or whatever, like they're not, like they're, they're, they are sticking to O'Malley as the man, you know, they're fans and it, they see it. O'Malley did better than I thought he was going to do. O'Malley did great. He he did great. Right. It, it was uh and and I think that I was super impressed with O'Malley. And he and they were like, they were saying he belongs here. But when someone's saying he belongs here, he right. belongs here, it doesn't right. mean he won the fight. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, judges they're... were literally saying he proves he belongs. They wouldn't right. say he's winning. I mean, that and because I gotta go with my, my my daughter. But TJ Dillashaw owes everyone an apology and their money back. You can't yeah. go into a fight with one shoulder where it blew out 20 times, where you can't hit mitts right. and expect to beat the best guy in the world. Or- I wish we knew why he, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a contract thing. Why he took the fight and did it and didn't pull out is beyond. Maybe he had sat out too long, maybe whatever. You know, I told you, I've, I finally found the video. I'm getting, trying to get it to work of the fight I fought with my shoulder out of socket that people never believe. I actually have the video now. If I can get the DVD to work, I found it in my um, pole barn the other day. Um, the meth head was trying to steal it, but no, but uh. For TJ to fight, man, that was, I was like watching that and I felt like my balls were in my throat watching that, man. And if anybody knows what that feels like, it's Brendan Chubb. No, but um, I uh, I know how that feels when he would throw a punch and he would back up like his arm was hanging. I was like, oh my God, I was having like flashbacks, dude. Like I was like, I, I was mean, telling my girlfriend, do you realize how bad what he's doing right now hurts? Like, do you have any idea how bad that hurts? One thing, if it, you get hurt during a fight and you keep fighting, oh, like yeah. you a favor, yeah. Jens Pulver, when he broke both his hands, he's just throwing elbows. Right. When you go into a fight with one arm, and that's why an Alzheimer looked fucking huge compared to him. Right. You you you've not only robbed the fans, you've robbed yourself, you robbed the people, you robbed everyone paying seventy five dollars. And I want to know: Does anyone around him care about him? That they would would like they should have said, "Dude, I'm not cornering you." If you're going in with a dislocated, I had my very last fight. I did. One of my guys said, "Dude, I don't even want to walk out there with you." Like he saw me warming up. He said, you need to call it off. And I was the main event of this little show, you know, or whatever. He goes, dude, you need to, you, you can't even walk, walk from the car you know? to the, to the, we were going to a diner. Right. You walk from the car to the diner. <laughs> yeah, like, was, and you were fighting that week. And I was like, bro, no, man. You're like, no, I, I, this guy sucks. I'm like, bro, you can't, you need a that, king. 
Totally that when Roy Jones Jr. himself had asked me to fight his promotion, and I was so starstruck. I was like, sure, like it was just anything, you know what I mean? And then he said, you can fight anybody you want, and it's a dude I beat at 30 seconds at uh, at Bellator. I beat him literally in 30 seconds, and I was like, I'll fight that dude. He had a good record. Well, what I didn't know is that he was going to dedicate 18 weeks of his life to losing 90 pounds and coming in the best shape with abs. He was 290 pounds when I fought him. He came in with abs uh, to fight me, and he – he beat a couple of good dudes after that. Like he was actually fighting really well after that, but I didn't know, like we came in, I was like, well, I'm glad you waited. Actually at the way. And I said to him, myself, diner. you couldn't walk to the diner. And, and yeah. I literally bought you $700 worth of edibles that you paid for, uh, <laughs> but you didn't have a license. Right. Like, we went into a dispensary and you gave me like $700 cash to buy every edible in the dispensary. Uh, right. This is like two days before the fight. And I was like, they thought, that's so funny is they thought we were trying to like pull some, I said, uh, listen, I don't have a license, but my friend does. I'm not from here. I just want something that kills pain. Cause I'd heard these stories about supposedly Cain Velasquez had some spray CBD spray put on your tongue and it kills all back pain. Stuff is the biggest lie ever, man. I oh, asked, yeah. Bob, I saw boss Rutten advertising one and I called him. I was like, boss, sorry to bother you. Does that CBD stuff you're talking about really work, man? Cause he said, I'm able to do this and this. He goes, Oh, that's a commercial I did, man. I don't know. I, I, I don't take it. And I was like, awesome. Cause I just like, I thought my whole life changed. I was like, boss Rutten is saying he can do everything he did before now with the CBD. <laughs> like, CBD is the most overrated shit ever, dude. Oh, yeah. Like it was a Anyway, I got my, my wife's, I got, I got to go watch the kid. Uh, Sean, you're the best. All right. See you, buddy. It was good seeing Don and Greg today. So Yeah, of course. I'll see you soon, man. You're the best. See you, man. Bye.